Welcome back, folks, to Beton Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, a sneaky snook, and an Icelandic TV fan, Dan Masters, who my good friend, a man who actually graces us with his presence this week, and a man who played <laughs> super hot, super hot. Well, if you're human, well, how you doing? I'm, I'm super hot, mate. It's genuinely quite quite warm in this little uh, little booth of mine. Booth. <laughs> my, my little box bedroom. Um, yeah, super hot is pretty fucking naughty, isn't it? Oh, it's great, isn't it? It's great. You know when you think you've never... You know when you think all the games that have been made have ever been made? They're just tiny different variations on the same game. And then a game like Supot comes along and you think, oh yeah, why did nobody think of this before? This is genius. Super, I haven't played that much of it, but it's, it's fucking beautiful where like, it's not a shooter, it's a puzzle game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a short little hits. Uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know, it's, it's like a first person shooter set in like a... Like an AR training system. I know that's not what it is, but like that's the best way I can describe the the visuals of it, sort of thing. And the gimmick is uh, time moves extremely slowly um, unless you are actually moving your character. Yeah, uh, so, so if... it's almost like it's as close to stasis. You know, so you you stop and you judge where you want to go, what you want to do. Like even unless you aim in that super slow mo. You know, let you dodge bullets and shit. And then when you finish the little level that's, I don't know, three minutes long at most, it'll, like, replay your whole thing at full speed. So you're doing all this fucking crazy matrixy shit. It's, yeah, pretty fucking cool. And it's cheap as well. It's not expensive either. It's well worth it for, like, ten quid or something. Well, I, I'm playing it on a PlayStation Now, Dan. Oh, really? How is that? I've not... Because I, uh, I had a little test trial of it and... Was kind of well, yeah. there wasn't really much on there, and I'm think I'm not sure what's on there now. If they've upgraded the uh, the games available or not. I, I was the same. I gave it a go. I don't know how many years ago, and it was like, yeah, this is cool, but it, you know, text me when you've got some good shit to actually play. Now it's got fucking loads of stuff. Like, I'd, I'd say have a look because I they've re- they must have reset like the free trial options or whatever because I got another free trial for it. Oh, okay. So I'm just running the free trial. And they've got loads of. Loads of stuff, a decent amount of PS4 games, loads of PS4 games actually, like some big big names as well, like uh like The Witchers on there with all the DLC, uh Neo, Fallout 4, I'm trying to think of what other big big names. There, there are there are enough big name games that you're like, oh shit, these are proper fucking games. And then there's a bunch of indies, a bunch of PS3 games, a couple of PS2 games, like it's a wide enough library that if you come in with the right attitude to it, you've got You'd never have to buy a game again if there was enough on there for you to want to play. Do you know what I mean? I was going to say, if The Witch is on there, that alone for six months is worth the value because there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in that game. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. And with the DLC as well, I've been half tempted to pick it up again. But it's one of those ones I'm thinking right now, you've literally got the game box sitting right there. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't. You've got an endless library of games you've never touched for like the last 10, 15 years. Like, oh yeah, oh, I suppose I better start a new game on The Witcher, shouldn't I? I know, yeah. But no, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Like, I've been, I haven't, um, I haven't settled into a game just yet. I've been dipping in and out of a few that I've wanted to try, which is still a good way for the service to work. Like I, I say, I tried... I tried Street Fighter Five because I thought oh, I haven't played Street Fighter since I was a kid. You know, I'm a bit more into fighting games now, understanding like the tactics and like the how to actually play them as opposed to when I was like eight years old. Let's give it a go, and yeah, just realised that Street Fighter well ain't for me, which which is good because you know I'd have picked it up on a at some point picked it up on a sale or whatever, and I've saved myself ten quid there. 
Yeah, exactly. A little look behind the curtain, people, at how crap we are at this actual, I was going to say job, it's not a job, at this pastime of ours. I found out that Will was on holiday last week, roughly 20 hours before we were going to start recording. <laughs> so. Yeah, which is, which is totally your fault, Dan. It's not, it's true. A, not a failure of communication on my part. That is my fault, yeah. <laughs> I should be well aware of your holiday. <laughs> Anyway, how was the uh, how was the breakaway, mate? A good little a uh, good little reset. Yeah, yeah, mate. Good for good for like Fisher Price, my first holiday. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. just purely about about Luna because we just went to one of those little haven camp things. And yeah, she she had a whale of a time, and that was the whole point of it. You know, get her away, get her to have some fun, and that you know, swimming every day, playing in the parks, going to the arcades, all that sort of shit. Like yeah, it was. It was lovely. Like I'd, I'd recommend it for any young families who want something kid friendly. Like yeah, I don't know if I'd necessarily go there if it was me and Grace having a holiday without the kids or before the kids or whatever. But it's still yeah, it's it, it's everything you need. All the amenities are within a five minute walk. The food's perfectly fine on site. Um, you know, a few different options and that good um it was a decent enough price for what it was uh swimming pool's perfectly fine like i, I was telling i was telling my boss because he's going to go on a similar thing with his two young kids later in the year and it's you kind of undersell it if you're being honest because everything's just fine yeah but as as anyone with young kids knows just fine perfect do you know what i mean it's no hassle it entertains the kids and you're not tearing your hair out thinking fucking hell let's get this over with so i can go home yeah, exactly. That's all you need with young kids, isn't it? They don't need... I never understood people who, when their kids are two and a half, they go to fucking Disneyland, Florida. I'm thinking, why? <laughs> You're going to spend about seven grand and that kid's not going to remember a single thing about it. Fucking mad. At least wait we, till we they're 10 or 11 went, or something. Isn't it? So you can actually invent... And, and it's, going around with under fives is, is a hassle, let alone going yeah, to yeah. a different country and on a plane and shit. Like, we had enough of a hassle going 10 minutes down the road to our local fucking haven, let alone... Fucking getting getting down to Heathrow and going on the plane and all that shit. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. My my one complaint, my one complaint. We had we had a had a telly in the old caravan. Bit of free view on there, so I was like, oh nice, get to watch the old football. As I don't have a TV license, so watching the football is obviously impossible for me. I've not been able to watch any of the uh, <clears throat> football at home. Uh, unfortunately, no, of course, of course. Yeah, Mister 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 HMRC. Um, but it didn't have ITV. What's like? <laughs> listen, I, 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 I didn't understand it at all. It was a free view box that had all like all the fucking extra shit, but it didn't have ITV. BBC One, BBC Two, Channel Four, yada yada yada. No ITV. I was very confused. That's very peculiar. Just for those who don't know, in North America, ITV is one of our free channels that every single person in the country gets. Just w- you basically get it like with a telly. It's part of the deal. You get a telly, you get ITV with it. It's one of those stupid. A free channel, like it's just a little free channel, but that's very peculiar. That's really peculiar. And and the problem is, we we have a with international football in the UK, we have agreements. I, d- I don't know what the agreement actually is, but it basically says that like yeah, England games, national football games, international football games rather, have to be televised on free to air television. Yes. So for big tournaments like the Euros and the World Cup, you typically have BBC and ICV. Split it down the middle. I assume there's some sort of payment to keep Channel Four out of it or whatever. But but yeah, so so I had to. I was on holiday and I had to miss half of the uh, half of the football 
fucking livid. I like the idea that you're on holiday trying to find an illegal stream for a TV station that's free in your own country. <laughs> this, this is the fucking thing. That's so it's stupid. A, that's a, abs- absolutely bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. I, I, I did refrain from uh, taking my uh, my four month old baby down to the uh, to the campsite bar just to watch the to watch I don't know fucking Hungary versus Portugal or whoever it was. But yeah, I'm leaving the campsite for two hours. Love, I've got to go to the Red Lion because they've got the game on. I'll be back, <laughs> I'll be back later. <laughs> Great. Hard life really is. Yeah, terrible. Uh, <coughs> and then last thing, did you happen to catch my single show last week? No, you didn't. Let's move on to the playoffs. Right. <laughs> I know that you didn't. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I, don't, I, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. I've been, I've been busy. Been don't coughing, say yet. And, uh... Don't say yet either. <laughs> like you just to placate I'll play, me. I'll, you son I'll of play it in the background now. I'll put the, uh, I'll put the, the subtitles on so I can read it. <laughs> yeah, good, good. All right, what should we start with first? Habs Vegas or Bolts Isles? What do you want to do? Bolts Isles? Bolts Isles? I mean, both games are one game away both, from being both... finished. So the favourites are going to win now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, not, so. <laughs> not, not in the way I would have put my fucking money on. Like, this is, these, let's call them the conference finals. I'm not dicking about the fucking league semi finals if you fuck off with that nonsense. Like, how, how are we five games in and both of them are 3 2? Like, in what? In what mad world has this happened? I don't know. I guess we'll just I just will go we'll just go all over the map with things that pop into our brains, whatever we sort of choose to discuss on either game. Who gives a shit? I just the first thing that popped into my mind is is that I mentioned this on Twitter a few weeks ago, but Vegas is so peculiar and that last year they had this exact same situation where their big stars just couldn't turn up against Vancouver. And they just couldn't seem to score any goals. And this exact same thing is happening again. It's very weird that this team with this three or four really good young players and a hot goalie just seems to undo Vegas again. It's it's very weird. I don't know how like Stone, Marcheseau, Smith, all those guys, they can't seem to get anything going. I, I find like this series is kind of highlighted to me the similarities in roster construction between uh, Montreal and Vegas. Obviously, you know, Vegas are like the, the premier top-of-the-line version of that kind of roster construction. But I think there's similarities, you know, both pretty deeper forward, you know, with a couple of game-breakers, again, leaning more towards Vegas as actually pulling that off, but not necessarily renowned for their centre depth and solid defence and good goalies. It's they're, they're you know, until they faced each other in the playoffs, I wouldn't have thought of them as similar teams. But really, there are there is a lot of a lot of similarities to draw. I think for Montreal, they almost want to be looking at Vegas. I know, I know they're on the verge of fucking beating them and getting to the standing up final, <laughs> but they almost want to look at Vegas and say that's what we want to turn this club into with what we've got. You know, you want your Coalfields to turn into like a a Pacioretty, Marcheseau type, you know. Leading, leading the line, scoring wise from, from the wing, yeah. You want like your your other young stars to, you want your other young stars to develop in a way that you are looking three lines deep, and you've got a bunch of players that basically anyone would have on on their team, really. No, you're right. It's were you surprised that the ball went back to Flurry after what he did in game three, and then the way Leonard played in game four. I. I'm I'm kind of surprised and not surprised by everything goalie related with Vegas. What would you have done? Do you know what I mean? Like after game four, what would you have done? 
I'd have stuck because they won the game. Yeah, me like, too. I'm, me too. I'd have stuck. I'm a I don't bit know why a, they changed. I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. Like, you know, if you're, especially in the playoffs, yeah, you know, if you've got two high quality goalies, I know it is only an OT, but that's still better than losing an OT like I did in game three. You know what I mean? So, like, keep keep with it. Yeah, you just keep want, with it. Just keep winning. Why? Why not? Especially as it looks like Flurry might be... I don't want to say shit in the bed, but... <laughs> ain't, ain't gone well for him this series, has it? Yeah, kind of turning back into the Mark Andre Flurry that we know and love in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, I, I, thought we'd, I thought we'd dispatched with that uh, that myth about Mark andre Flurry, but I'll, I'll happily, happily bring it back in. Yeah, you can't dispatch with that myth after he basically megs himself and then back heels the, ball straight, uh, back heels the puck <laughs> straight to Josh Anderson. <laughs> For an open net. I mean, fucking hell, what is he doing? <laughs> it's fucking beautiful. Uh, fucking 22 on 25 shots as well. Like, Jesus oh, Christ. That is, that's, uh, that's not what you want. Not what you want out of your out of your star talisman goalie. I was, I was just to sidetrack completely. I forget what it was, but I heard someone talking about um, Vegas maybe retiring Flurry's number when he, when he retires. Don't. <laughs> Which to me is fucking Barbie. Don't. Is that, is that not the most mental thing I've ever heard? Yes, it is. Do you know what it's like? It's like fucking Luongo. Yeah, I said it again, and I'm going back to it again. It's the same. Yeah, exactly, exactly Dude, the same. Dude, Flurry's, exactly Flurry's got more of a case to get his number retired in Vegas. Probably he's been there fucking four minutes. Right. He's been there. Right, listen to this, right? I'll I'll spin it this way. He's been there for their entire existence. The entire time he's been there, he's been no, to a Stanley that. Cup final and a conference final and a second round. And what else did they do? Was it another second round or another conference final? Whatever. Uh, conference final against uh, the Stars. There you go. So he's been. So in his entire existence, <laughs> there he's been to two conference finals, a Stanley Cup final, and a second round. Every he's there like, every year. He's we, we need to start. He's got more of a. We'd start retiring uh, numbers of rookies who have a good season. Yeah, <laughs> his entire career, they've gone to gone so far in the playoffs, <laughs> and he averaged a point per game his entire career so far. Get his number up there. No, that's ridiculous. Retiring his number. Yeah, I just thought I was fucking absolutely balmy. You know, might as well retire fucking Bill Carlson's number as well. Retire them all. Yeah, retire every number. Dave England. Yeah, this entire team, the entire draft, the entire team from the expansion draft that made it onto the ice that first game, just they all get their numbers retired. I was um, with Flurry not getting the starting game four. I was surprised that Alan Walsh didn't post a picture of or a painting of Flurry being bent over and giving it dry by Pete DeBoer, as is Alan Walsh's kind of you know desires in protecting his clients, <laughs> with the word like traitor tattooed on DeBoer's cock or something. Jesus Christ! I mean, maybe it, I won't put it past it's, him. It's, it's in line. It's in line with what Walsh has done so far. Exactly. You see that? Yeah. See, Flurry's getting stabbed, stabbed in the back in both pictures. I can't. I can't wait. He has to do another follow up this year, doesn't he? Oh, he's got to. Okay. So, and here's the, here's the query now. What do you do now if you're Pete DeBoer? You got to go back to Lane now, right? Now nah, bring in bring in a third goalie. Yep. <laughs> Who's there? Is Oscar Dance still with them? I know Maxime uh, Maxime Regassi is gone. Yeah, no, no idea, no idea. You gotta go back to Lena, haven't you? Like it's on the line. I mean, you'd, have, you'd have thought. So. What's Flurry shown you in the past two games that he can be counted on when it matters the most? Not nothing to me. So isn't that why you've got Robin Lena there? Isn't that why you've got a five million dollar backup goalie on that term? 
Nah, it's just for the memes. It's to it's to push yeah. Flurry to be better. Is the thing. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Do you need a glass of water then? Yeah, I, I've got a glass of water, mate. Don't, oh, okay. don't damn. Mind, mind your bit. Mind your business. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're spot on. Like, why have Robin Leonard if you're going to go back to to Flurry again? But you could equally have asked that before Game Five. You've brought Leonard in. Your best backup goalie in the league, you could argue on paper at least, and then <laughs> he's won the fucking game for you, and and now you've sacked him off and gone back to fucking liability flurry. Like what? What are we doing here? Yeah, no idea, no idea. It's um, I don't know. I'm not going to call in. I'm not going to call Pete DeVore into question just yet, but I think there's something there about kind of a history has us making sort of odd decisions and then just he's not afraid to make a decision but sometimes that's not a good thing sometimes you just gotta keep it simple okay this goalie won so we'll go with that goalie again that just makes the most sense to me anyway but yeah that's that's too sensible if ever there was a fucking example of like thinking too much about it do you know what i mean that's that's over coaching if you ask me yeah definitely definitely or maybe it's like a what's a fucking um there's a there's a remit or whatever from on high saying you know Flurry's the starter he has to start but it's it's one of those things no matter which way you slice it whatever the reason is for DePaul putting Flurry back in over Lainer like there ain't unless it turns out that Lainer's got some fucking mad injury he picked up in game four we don't know about then nah I doubt it, it doesn't no nah, exactly exactly it can't be that mad um. Then it doesn't look doesn't look right either way. We need to. I, I can't believe I mentioned this last week, and I have to mention this again. And we've been on this bandwagon for a long time. I'm gonna, as I do frequently, pat ourselves on the back when we have correct takes and not mention the ones that are terrible, as that's my remit. It's my show, and I can do whatever we want. But unbelievably, somehow the officiating in the playoffs got worse after last week's fucking awful calls, where. Braden Point gets pushed in the back into the goalie and he gets penalised and all the shit that went on in that game. And I'm glad you're here now because why is it only the NHL where this seems to happen? Why is it only the NHL where... And and I saw somebody tweet... Somebody posted a a stat sheet because Friedman said something, I didn't hear 31 thoughts yet, but Friedman said something along the lines of, I don't think the refs change, I think players change. Which I completely, completely disagree with. I just think players do what they always do, and in the playoffs they just don't get called for it. The penalties, or sorry, the, the penalties that were not given in that game four, or was it game four or game three? I can't remember. But Braden McNabb just punches Nick Suzuki in the face with the referee looking right at him and nothing happens. Corey Perry getting this stick in the face, blood everywhere, nothing <laughs> happens. There were two or three blatant boarding penalties in that game that were so fucking dangerous. So dangerous. The same the same calls that Kucherov got suspended for when they lost in four to the Blue Jackets. The exact same. And nothing happened. And I'll let you have a quick talk on this because I have got I have got a super hot take for you. After you've uh, super hot <laughs> take, after you've sort of put your thoughts into it, I, I think I've got to disagree with you and, and partially agree with Friedman. 
And the, yeah, of course, of course the players change. Of course the players change. It's like a fucking... It's one of the Ten Commandments of hockey. As soon as the playoffs start, right, it's, it's murder time, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, every, everybody knows. You can... You can tell. I remember seeing my first ever playoff game. It was Penguins Blue Jackets, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, and I just remember, like, you know, hearing the myths because you know, getting into like hockey media and stuff, and and more of of the the culture around it, sort of thing. Here, oh yeah, playoffs. That's when that's when it kicks off. Yeah, first four check of, of my first playoff games. Like, oh shit, okay, people are we're playing for keeps now. Do you know what I mean? Like. The intent behind the hits is much more ferocious. You know, everyone's battling for every inch of ice out there on the pond. We're fucking really cool, and we like to hurt people. <laughs> but that, but that is that is the the reality. The what what Friedman said, which not irked me, but you know what I mean, which I didn't agree with. The implication that the players change, the refs not changing, is a virtue. Everybody knows that playoff hockey is more violent. It's more, yeah, people are working harder, whatever. I don't need to fucking explain playoff hockey to anyone listening to this. And if I do, sorry, you'll work it out. Um, but, like, the the refs need to adjust. The refs absolutely need to adjust. Like, that's the whole point of refereeing. And, and if you're saying that the refs aren't changing because the players play at a different level, in a in a regular season versus the playoffs, it's like oh, bro. well, Braden McNabb wasn't punching people in the face in the regular season, so we didn't have to call the penalties. So we're not going to call the penalties now because he started doing it in the playoffs. It's like what what are you fucking talking about? It, do, do, do you know what I mean? It's 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 nonsensical to say that the refs shouldn't change and it's a good thing that they are consistent because they're clearly not consistent. In that they're not calling the right penalties anymore. It's, I don't know. It it just feels like it gets worse and worse every year, potentially because we have a situation where, as time goes on, we're having more and more evidence of the whistles going away in the playoffs. So players know, you know, yeah, a rookie learns one year. Oh, you can get away with X more, X percent more violence in the playoffs. Then next year he gets away with even more, and then. Yeah, you know, the, the longer your NHL career goes on, the more you learn to learn the tips and tricks of the game, if you will, and you realise, oh, actually, I can just get away with, uh, you know, abject murder on on the ice as long as as long as that little Stanley Cup playoffs logo is uh, is by the blue line. If it if it says you know opening night or Wednesday night rivalry, no, can't do that. It says playoffs. Take my skate off and start slashing Corey Perry across the face. Yeah, mate, I couldn't couldn't agree more with you. I couldn't agree more. I, the, Feel free to try and agree more. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't. I won't stop you. I couldn't really. I couldn't. I, I'm just. I'm really straining myself right now to agree more, and it's just. It's just not happening. It's not happening. What's hilarious as well is that there's always the kind of, oh well, we can't call the rule book because if we do, then we're going to get 15 penalties every period. Okay, you would for the first couple of games. And then you know what would happen? Players would think, oh, do you know what? Maybe when that player stood near the boards, I won't drill him as hard as I can in the back when he can't see me and he smashes his face into the glass. Maybe that time, maybe this time I won't do it. Because if I do it again, I'll get like five minutes and a major, you know, I'll get a five minute major or something. The players will adjust. Just like they learn to adjust every year with different rules and all that kind of thing. When a player goes to the, when a player goes for a face off, 
He doesn't just swing his stick at the guy's head and then take the puck. No, it's against the rules. He knows not to do that. This idea that we can't call the rule book because there'll be too many penalties. What's the fucking point of the rule book then? <laughs> Why do we have it if you're not going to call the rules as, as they should be? And the issue is, there's been nothing, and we say this all the time, the issue is, is that there's been nothing so egregious yet that it's cost a team. Because the terrible penalties that should have been called on Vegas, because Vegas had, Vegas should have had more penalties in that fucking ridiculous game than Montreal. If those hadn't happened, and you know, like say, Corey Perry gets, that should have been a double, a double minor for the blood and everything. Corey Perry goes off and then Vegas scores. Well, now the league's got to really answer for something. But they got lucky because Montreal won. At some point, at some point, we're going to get to a game seven, either in a conference final or a cup final or something. And some guy's going to just punch some other guy in the face and knock him out. And then they're going to score and it's not being called. And then it's going to be a case of, oh, well, what do we do then? Who could have seen this coming? (laughs) It's like like we we always joke about Gary Bettman going, I'm just one guy. What can I do? (laughs) What are you talking about? You're the guy. What's the point of having the rule book if we're not going to call the rules? I don't get it. I think without getting too too depressing or serious about it, like a a, a team losing a game because of a missed call, I think is arguably the the best worst case scenario. If that makes any sense, yeah. Because realistically, you only have to look at this year and you look at a certain uh, certain Shively on Evans hit, and you can see where the lack of discipline. And the lack of order and consistency with penalties and, and you know letting too much go in the playoffs can lead to some really fucking dangerous plays. Like, you know, you were talking about the egregious boarding hits that we've had the last last few games. Yeah, any one of those, any one of those could could be the one. Could be the one that takes us over this line that we as a sport are have been skirting for a hundred years. For a hundred years now. You think back to um Oh, I forget the guy's name. The the goalie who took the skate to the neck. Yeah, you even think about the fucking. Ah, yeah, yeah. oh, was it the uh, the brawl in Montreal or whatever it's called, where like Maurice Richard was like using his stick as a fucking broadsword. There have been so many, so many situations and instances where the NHL and the sport of hockey are large, at large. But I think the NHL is the prime culprit. You know, being the leader in the sport, really. And the leader in the violent side of the sport, you know, we all know how how all the European leagues are just full of pussies who just want to toe drag and score fucking goals. They don't want to don't want to rip each other's ears off and fucking chew them up and spit them in the coach's face or whatever. The NHL has to take responsibility that if we do end up crossing that line, and fucking heaven forbid somebody dies because of this fucking sport, it's on them and their inability to control their players in the playoffs. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's, it's an extreme thing to say. I'm not saying that Gary Bettman's going to be a murderer, but, like, it's fucking complicit. It's, it's, it's complicit when we're, when we're... When we are breeding a culture where a good proportion of the fan base is cheering on Mark Shifley trying to destroy Jake Evans' fucking life, that's, that's being complicit in... Any any tragedy that we could see, apart from you know maybe like yeah you know, your John Tavares type thing, yeah if if we're talking about a, a penalty worthy play, which sounds mental when you're talking about the risk of loss of life or or paralysis or whatever it might be, if we're talking about a hockey play, 
that leads to one of those tragedies, yeah, the NHL will will wish that CTE was the biggest of their problems. Yeah, definitely. All right, here's so here's one of my hot takes this week. Oh, go on, Stephen, fresh out the other. Yeah. The reason we have fucking teams that somehow make it all the way through somehow against all the odds is because fucking goon teams with less skill can do egregious yeah. shit and get away with it in the playoffs. That's why Montreal is where they are because their players are, some of their defensemen are big and heavy and will kill the younger players. That's why St. Louis got to the cup final. That's why the Dallas Stars got to the cup final. It's yep. because there were probably games where they came up against more skilled teams and they just leaned on them and hit them harder and hit them illegally. And that's why they're there. That's why the playoffs is like it is. How can Conor McDavid play eight playoff games in a row and not have a single penalty called against him? Why doesn't the league want its best players playing in the later rounds? I understand that we take, I know, I understand that we kind of, we laugh about McKinnon and McDavid and Matthews and this kind of thing and how that they're chokers and they can't do it and all this kind of thing. Well, yeah, because they play 82 games in a season and they get penalties called on them. And when they're trying to do a piece of skill and a guy just decides I'm going to kick your leg out or cross check you in the chin or something, it gets called and then the other team gets penalized and now they have the advantage. In the playoffs, the other teams don't get penalised. So the skilled players now have to become fighter, like fighters as well. And that's not them. And that's why teams like like the, the unfancied teams or like some unfancied teams will always make it through. Because the skilled teams don't have any safety out there. And I understand. I'm not saying that they should get a free pass. But when the best player in the league by a million miles has no penalties called on him in eight games, it shows that there's something really, really wrong with it. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you want, if you're the NHL, wouldn't you want in the, again, yeah, semifinals, conference finals, whatever you want to call it, wouldn't you rather have fucking McDavid versus Vegas or, no offense to the Islanders as well, but... Wouldn't you rather have Tampa versus, I don't know, like Colorado or like one of the team, you know, like a skilled team? Instead, you're just watching fucking heavy players lean on each other. And it's up to the skill teams to try and find a way to work their way through it. And the reason it's like that is because the, because the officiating is just fucking awful. And that's why these bad teams can somehow, oh, it's a miracle that they made it through. Oh, they're, they're built for playoffs. Yeah, because they can get away with more shit. That's why. Because the officials are fucking useless. It's, it's absolutely the thing where they're taking away the aspects of the game that skilled players thrive at the most. <coughs> Obviously, you know, we all know if, you, if you're a truly great player, you're not just a power play specialist. But you look at teams like Tampa Bay, you look at Carolina, you look at Colorado, you know, Toronto, you go down the list of, of these highly skilled teams with the best hockey players, the best hockey players, they're all mustered on the power play, and that's that's absolutely the thing. Like it's, I str- I struggled to wrap my head around it because as as we've covered before, when this issue has come up, yeah, you know, especially around the Tim Peel thing earlier this year, it's like you say, oh, the whole thing of well, we can't call the rule book because then there'd be forty nine power plays a night. It's like, well, that's a fucking problem. Like the relationship that this league has with penalising fouls broken. Like fundamentally broken, and it's it's all it all wraps in like you said to 
to the situations that we get to about dangerous plays, about more defensive hockey. Like, you know, we're not quite at clutch and grab stage, but fucking lean in that way, aren't we? If that, if that hadn't been eradicated after the lockout, we'd absolutely still be seeing that because it's an effective way of limiting top-end players. And yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. If we if we correctly called the rule book and had had proper penalty calling, yeah, none of this evening out calls or anything like that, just call the fouls that you see, we'd absolutely... Conor McDavid would have had a fucking standing up by now, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I'm not... I, I don't understand the kind of... It should be fair on everybody. If you're a shit team with shit players, why are you getting the same amount of chances as a good team with good players? We've mentioned yeah, before fair, teams like like teams like sorry. Toronto. Fairness, fair, fairness is being penalised for committing a penalty. It's not. It's not. <laughs> that's what fair is. That's why the rules are there. They're saying you can't do this. If you do it, that's you get an unfair advantage. So you get penalised to. Stop you doing that! Like, there's nothing fair about just making. It's just, sorry. You're soon going to end up with like, oh well, you know, Vegas has had 30 shots and Montreal have only had 23 shots, so Vegas aren't allowed to shoot the puck until Montreal have gotten up to 30. That's the kind of fairness that we're talking about. That's that's the NHL's parity at work, isn't it? Yeah, especially in the yeah, especially in the playoffs. I think. If you're, I just don't get it. I, don't, I just don't get it. It makes my head hurt. It makes my head hurt. And I've said this. I said this before when I tried to explain to somebody who wasn't a hockey fan, and I asked them on purpose for a reason, and I explained to them about makeup calls, and they looked at me like I'd just grown seven new heads. What do you mean they make up calls? <laughs> I said, well. If a team has too many power plays, the refs, I don't know, feel bad or something. So they'll just start to give bad penalties away to the other team to try and kind of make it a bit more even. And they were just saying, how does that even make sense? If your team is shit and you've got shit players, why aren't you punished for being shit? (laughs) That's the point. This is going to sound so stupid. And I spent all last week praising the Habs and saying how well they've done. Montreal is not a good team. They're playing a style that's good for the playoffs. But how many team, how many players on the on the Canadians would get into any other team? You know, you could say, okay, yeah, I mean that guy, he'd go on any other team. How many players from the Canadians would do that, really? And you know what? You can maybe throw you can maybe throw the Islanders in there as well. But in the playoffs, it's fine. They can just be that team, and they can just be aggressive and heavy. And I don't know, they just don't get punished for these things. But there's a reason why these, like I said, there's a reason why these bad teams make the playoffs and do well in the playoffs. It's because the teams with more goons on it has more chance of getting away with shit. And that's just so wrong. And makeup calls and all that kind of stuff. It's so wrong. I don't understand how this is. Yeah, but that's always been. That's just the way it's always been. <laughs> and? So what? And it's never going to change. It's never going to change. We're going to be here again next year. I heard somebody mention the day, oh, wait till they go to ESPN and TNT and they're going to want ratings and all this kind of thing. It's not going to change. Do you know why? I said this before. Nobody cares about hockey. (laughs) Sorry, hockey fans. Nobody cares in the big wide world. They just don't. And it's not important to people. And that's why. How many times are they going about the ratings and stuff and how they're terrible? Do you think the NHL cares? They've just signed their their biggest ever deal. They don't give a shit about the ratings. 
No one cares about the ratings. I've mentioned wrestling before. Wrestling ratings are in the fucking toilet, and they still signed a and WWE still signed a billion dollar deal. They don't care. They just want live sports. That's all they want. So I just I can't even see how it's going to change either. No, no, because because it's working, and the NHL loves the parity that it brings. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if the data's out there. I'll, you know, forgive me if anyone has actually done this this legwork, but I'd love to see someone do some work on like you know micro stat tracking for penalties that should have been given you know obviously it's kind of um obviously that sort of data is unreliable for want of a better term because you know if if x penalty goes uncalled yeah you know, if you're recording you know seven uncalled penalties in a period any one of them would have you know led to a power play and then changed the number of uncalled penalties potentially or called penalties for the rest of the period, rest of the game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really would love to see some information about, you know, which teams are getting away with more than other teams. There are, and, like and, I said, know, there are there are data sheets out there that show how the penalties are called differently in the playoffs for sure. But yeah, but I that's more you're like saying. percentages. You're looking of, at more like of, a kind of you're looking like an ex- joking aside, but like expected penalties almost, isn't it? Kind of, yeah, almost, almost like zone entries and shit, like all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. you've got, yeah, like you've got Corsi and possession numbers and zone time and that, but it doesn't actually show like, yeah, you get ones for oh, John Klingberg has X amount of um, zone entries with possession, X amount of zone entries without possession, blah blah blah. Like, yeah, you can have, you know, um, there were. 14 an average of 14 penalty minutes given in a regular season game and it's down to six in the playoffs but i want a proper i want a proper right in this playoff game game six montreal canadian montreal versus vegas montreal should have you know should have been called for four high sticks and two trips that weren't called or whatever and vegas should have been called for fucking whatever it might have been obviously that's really subjective to whoever's compiling the data and and it I'm sure it's probably not that useful because a smaller person than me would have thought of thought to do that if it was going to be useful. But it's just something I would be quite interested to see to kind of highlight just how egregious the situation is. Yeah, good te- good teams get punished in the playoffs. It's as simple as that. That's the best. That's the TLDR. This whole my whole point is good teams get punished in the playoffs. How did how did Tampa end up winning? They had to go out and get a bunch of guys who are willing to punch other people in the face. Yeah, that's, so, and, and, and that's, and it's, what, it's a, that's what they had to do. And that's a conversation you get every single year when a highly skilled team doesn't win the cup. What were they missing? Oh, a bit of grit and toughness, a bit of jam. Bit of, yeah, Players bit of jam. who play the way you have to play in the playoffs who know how to win. It's like, I do, all, all of this said, like I do like physical hockey. You know, I love a good power forward. Jamie Benn in his prime was one of my favourite players to watch. Just the, you know, the uh, Daryl Ray always used to call him the Dainty Barbarian because that's what he was. He could power past players and then equally had the hands and the skill to to do all the things that you'd want an elite forward to do. I appreciate that style of play and I really do like it, but it's like you say, when you're rewarding teams that are just focusing on on the, the not even power, but like, yeah, the 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 rough side of it, the violent side of hockey. I just don't think it's good for the sport. No, agreed. All right, let's um, the uh, yeah, the Habs are winning this series, aren't they? Just to round this. <laughs> oh up. yeah, yeah, they they, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, of course they are. Why would you? 
Why would you think that Vegas is top five forwards? Why would you think that Vegas is top five forwards who've got one goal between them in the series are suddenly going to start finding the back of the net? They're not. So congratulations, Habs fans. It's not even a jinx. Well done. I, th- I think, you know, all, all jokes aside, even if they don't win the series, like, this is bad enough. <laughs> all, all, all due point. respect to the Canadians, but, like, they, sh- they shouldn't... They, they've already got them... All right, to put a nicer spin on it, this is very impressive for, for the Canadians to, to have gotten this far. 3-2 up on on what, what are basically perennial Stanley Cup picks out of the West. Fucking amazing. Incre- absolutely incredible. And even if they do lose game six and seven, they, sh- they, sh- <laughs> they should still be proud of what they've done. Equally, not approve of how they've done it, <laughs> inside or outside of the organisation. Yeah, that's right. I do enjoy the fact as well that now all the Canadians who said that under no circumstances were Montreal Canada's team, that now every other fan base is going, see, we told you the North was a really good division. <laughs> kind of almost de facto sticking up for the Canadians. So well done, Habs fans. You are Canada's team because now everyone's on your side in your country. Go and tell all of, all of your friends who hate the Habs. You can tell them that. You can say that you're defending the North division. Therefore, you're defending the Habs, and that means you're supporting them. So, well done. You've united a nation, Montreal. Congratulations. It was always going to happen one way or the other, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, a quick look at the other series as well. Okay, so just quickly, this is the life of playoff watching when you're not in North America. So, me and Will will normally watch games the next day. So, we'll put the games on at work and then we'll just get on with our bits and bobs while we're at work and the game will be running in the background while we're doing other stuff. And you'll kind of, you know, you get to, I don't know, there's times I'm kind of like, you know, I've got to leave the game for half an hour or something or I've got to go and talk about something. I'll come back, oh, like, you know, now it's 2-1 or something. It's very rare that we get to sit down and watch a full game from start to finish. But I put the game on and the file for the Islanders uh, Bolts game from yesterday was four and a half hours long on my iPod. Okay, yes, I've got an iPod on old. Shut up. Was four and a half hours long. Okay, so I was thinking straight away, holy shit, this game is going to triple quad OT or something like that. You then sent me a message saying something like, Jesus, because obviously you knew the score was eight nil. I didn't. I just you sent me that message and I was thinking, well, because this is when it's like two nil to the Lightning. And I look at that, I'm thinking, wow, the fucking Islanders must have some hell of a comeback here. And I was, I, I kept thinking that until it got to 7-0. Because even when it got to 6-0, I was thinking, this game is four and a half hours long. It, ha- it has to be six. It, they have to go to massive OT or something. I couldn't understand it. No, it was just a mistake on the file. And after the game finished, it was just an hour and a half of dead screen. There was nothing there. But the whole time I was watching it, I kept expecting the Islanders to come back. Third period, eight goal comeback. Yeah, that's what. And I kept thinking, like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. Because you'd sent me that message as well. (laughs) But fucking hell, dude, eight nil. That's just, that's just madness. Absolute madness. I think equally though, like, I'm still not counting the Islanders out of this at all. Dude, dude, eight nil is such a. It's, it's such an egregious. Like, like the was it ten one or something? New York over Philly in the season, whatever it was. When um, yeah, David Quinn was was doing jail time or whatever he was doing. Um, yeah, it's such an egregious result that you just have to be like, all right, whatever, didn't happen. Crack on. And I, I think if any team was going to be able to recover from that, it'll be the Islanders. And they've they've pushed the bolts this far, mate. 
anybody within the sound of my voice put money on the Islanders tonight. Put money on it. I guarantee it. Because it's hockey. Hockey is dumb and makes no sense. Of course the Islanders are going to lose 8-0 and then go and win. Of course they will. Because that's hockey. grind out a little 1-0-er. Oh yeah, I was going to say I was going to say it's, it's either going to be a cheeky two one or a cheeky three one. I think a one 0 would be even better though, for the oh, for the Lightning one. to score eight goals and then not score at all. That'd be fantastic. Well, the, but, the, the Lightning were really good defensively as well. You know, as much as it was a, an offensive rob. Oh yeah, yeah. The other night, like they 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 showed why they're the best team in hockey and have been for like five years. This was leading on to my second hot take of the week. <sighs> Second hottest or just another one at the uh, same temperature? I'll tell the same temperature. When do we start putting Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point into the best player in the world conversation? Now, let me explain what I mean by this. Because if you say to anybody, Are Braden, is Nikita Kucherov one of the best players in the world? Immediately, somebody says yes. Everybody would say, everybody would say yes. That's not up for debate. What I'm talking about is... When people start a conversation or they're caught in a conversation and they will instinctively go to two or three players and say, you know, you've got your players like your... And they'll always say McDavid, McKinnons, Matthews, whatever. No one ever says Kucherov or Point, do they? When do people start just instinctively adding those two players into that sentence? Because I'm not because that's, a, that's an instinctual thing. If I ask you the question... Is Nikita Kucherov one of the best players in the world? Yes, he is. Nobody disagrees with that. He absolutely is. The guy's a phenom. Same with Braden Point. Braden Point's like maybe the most clutch player in the league right now. The guy's fucking unbelievable. But if you're talking and then you start mentioning elite players, no one ever says them, which I find peculiar. They always will say, oh, you know, like McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews, blah, blah, blah. I'm wondering when that happens. I think the problem is like, because they're part of a bigger thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, so, uh, you think it's that? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's it's like um, yeah. You know, I hate. I kind of hate using them as as the example. But you look at like the Real Madrid squad. You know what I mean? Like, I think to an extent, over the few years, like you know, players like Bale or Modric or Kroos, Varane, Sergio Ramos, whoever, aren't gonna get the same sort of recognition they would do if they were the standout player on their own club. Because they're just part of a bigger machine surrounded. Yeah, it's hard to stand out as one of the best players in the world when you're surrounded by the other best players in the world. So yeah, I think that's why players like Point, Kucherov, even like Steven Stamkos doesn't get his due. Victor Hedman, he's not had the best season this year, but he's still one of the best D-men in the, in the entire league. Aren't get, go, go down the lineup. Go down the lineup. Like Ryan McDonough's probably a number one defenseman on both teams in the league. Mikhail Sergachev playing third pairing minutes. Like, you can't tell me you wouldn't be on the top pairing for fucking name your local hockey club. Do you know what I'm saying? Their third pair is David Savard and Mikhail Sergachev. That's their third pair. It's It's embarrassing. That's NHL shit, NHL 21. That's NHL 21 shit with uh, with the salary cap turned off. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So so I think that's it. Like, like, yeah, you're you're absolutely right in saying that Nobody would deny that Kucherov and Point are one of the best players, some of the best players in the world. Kucherov broke a fucking, effectively broke a scoring record recently um, and was a hard trophy winner. Like, of course people know that they're incredible, but it is just that, like, you can't see the wood for the trees. Kind of thing. Or is that the other way around? Whatever it fucking is. Probably not a good... good no, you're analogy. right, you're right. You, you, know, you know what I'm getting at, though. Like, they're surrounded by such good players that they aren't standing out. That's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah, they kind of almost get lost in the shuffle because there's so many good players on that team. 
Man, like Braden Point is just like he's setting records every time. <laughs> every time he takes the ice, every, and they're now trying to they're now trying to get. This is how good the Lightning are. Is that now they're just forgetting their game plan and just trying to pass the puck to Point so he can have shots and score goals, so he can get the record for himself for most consecutive consecutive playoff games with a goal. How many is he and on? He's, to, he's on eight eight games in a row with a goal. Jesus Christ, that's that's Joe and the record's shit. ten. The record's ten. And they're trying to get it to him. You can tell that in that 8-0 game the other night, like, they just kept passing him the puck when it was clearly the game was won. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, he doesn't care. He'd rather win another Stanley Cup than get that record. I understand it. But if you get to the third period and it's 3-0 or 4-0, well, yeah, you're just going to start playing fucking Daisy Dukes, aren't you, and giving him the puck whenever you can so he can take shots. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And why wouldn't you? Yeah, when you're already rinsing the other team, why wouldn't you try and try and patch your mate's stats? That's the, that's the only time it's appropriate to do it. <laughs> that's also some NHL 21 shit, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my guy needs one more point for 100 points in a season. I'd love for him to do it. And you just you just start trying to take on the whole decor with him on the ice just so he can get that one point so he can get his 100 for the year. And, and be the, the you know, 12th person on your roster who's got 100 points that year. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know Kucherov in the last two seasons has got 61 points in the playoffs? So far. <laughs> playoffs. <laughs> in the playoffs. In a, in a tournament where you can play a maximum of 48 games in that span and he hasn't even finished the second one. Dude, he's fucking nuts. He's pretty fucking good. I'm going to make it... He's big. I'm going to make it my mission to start doing that, to start mentioning him in those conversations. I th- I, it's only fair. The dude's... I mean, God, he's fucking unbelievable. It's, it's like... Um, He's been around too long. Nobody, nobody cares anymore. You want, you want to. People would be more likely to talk about Braden Point than the Kitty Kucherov. Not to take anything more away You're from Braden Point. Braden Point's lovely, but like, and he's wonderful, <laughs> a good player, is what I'm trying to say. You know, he's not bad. Uh, he's not bad. He's all right. He's a good geezer. Um, but he's he's new. He's he's new money, isn't he? You know, what I mean, he's he's a new toy. It's Kucherov. It's like it's like Sid the Kid and, and Ovi and stuff. Like, no one talks about Sid being the best player in the world anymore. Partly because he's he's not as good as he once was, but you know I'm I'm preaching to the choir on this one, saying that Sidney Crosby is still a fantastic elite level hockey player. Yeah. But he's been that for 16 years in a row now, so nobody fucking cares anymore. And as we've mentioned before, it's easy for everyone to fall over themselves because of Braden Point because of what he makes. It's it's you, every conversation starts with can you believe he only makes 6.75 million a year. And then people go, oh my God, yeah, that's all he makes. Jesus. Uh, yes, I can believe it because he's under 27. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so as we've mentioned all that with how amazing Kucherov is and point is, I expect the Islanders to win tonight 2-1 or 3-1, like we said. So that'll be, <laughs> we're, that'll yeah, be very hockey. We're, without a doubt, like, I'm, I'm definitely betting uh, <laughs> betting Canadians and Islanders tonight because <clears throat> why wouldn't we end up with a fucking Montreal-New York final? Yeah, of course. All right, should we, should we start the show? I suppose we probably should. Yeah, I guess you're right. Only an hour in, that's fine. It's rather playoffs to you, baby. As always, we're brought to you by Wave Intel. As we hurtle towards the end of the season, let Wave Intel guide you through all the stats needed to help you decide if your team should sign that free agent or even re-sign that old player of yours. Wave Intel online and on Twitter, being smart so you don't have to. 
Check out the Three Men and Their Babies podcast at men underscore babies on Twitter and on iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, Smart Speakers, anywhere else you can listen. Leave us a nice review, helps a lot. Tell your friends if you like the show, because if you don't, I'll cry in the shower. An interesting wrinkle coming out of Minnesota is that Kirill Kaprizov, the, well, I mean, I guess I mean, he has to win the Calder. Who else is it going to be? But aside from your boy, of course, Jason Robertson, who had a fantastic season, shout out. But it looks like it's going to be Kaprizov. And he's taken the interesting step to play negotiation in the threat of going back to Russia. It's not an idle threat. Of course, he's on an ALC. He's got no leverage, has he? There's nothing he could... The only thing he can say is, well, I'll just go back to Russia then. If you don't give me what I want, I'm going back to Russia. And of course, the Wilds want to sign him to a fucking seven or eight year deal that's going to make him a ton of money. But of course, he wants to go short term. And he wants what looks like he wants a two or three year bridge so that he can maximize his profits. And if it's not going well in Minnesota, he can move on and play somewhere else. I, do you kind of see what he's trying to do here? I don't know. It's oh, odd. Yeah. I, de- I definitely see what he's trying to do. That's the, like you said, it's the only bit of leverage that he has and good on him for using it. Absolutely. Because that's, yeah, like you said, ELC, he hasn't got, I don't think he has arbitration rights. I don't think so. I wouldn't have thought so. Being, you know, was it a one-year ELC he signed? Or is it two? I think it's two. Oh God, let's... Fellas, we quickly speed check. over to Cap Friendly as we yeah, do every quickly, single Cap week. Cap Friendly can... Uh, uh, no, it was a one-year. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he hasn't... Yeah, he's not He's uh, he's not eligible for arbitration. Absolutely, because he's only played one season. Um, yeah, use use the fucking powers you have at your disposal. You know, Adam Walsh is, is sending out memes. Kirill Kaprizov is threatening to go back to the KHL. That's absolutely the right thing to do. I think... <laughs> In, in this, this is one of the rare, rare situations where I'd say if the team doesn't, you know, bow down to his demands, fucking hell, like, you're idiots. If, 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 I'm, if I'm the owner of the Wild and Kaprizov goes back to, K, back to the KHL, I'm cleaning house. I'm folding the franchise. I'm saying, like, nah, that's, that's enough. We've, <laughs> we've, we've fucked it here, boys. That's, that's next level. If we level can't do this one, right? Yeah, if we can't do this one right, then that's it. You've been, you've been waiting five years for this geezer to come over. Uh, six years, however long it's been. He has one season and then he, and then he bolts because you don't want to pay him. All right. <laughs> Cause yeah, well, because you don't want to pay him for three years. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, I know, I know he's two not. Years or... He's not Conor McDavid. He's not Nikita Kucherov or whatever. But he's still a fantastic player and arguably the best player that the world have ever had. Um already so like how can Maybe, how yeah. can you let him go do you know what i mean I no, and is it okay you get him to a two or three year bridge make a couple of moves suddenly your team's way better and yeah. then, and players on that level underneath will maybe look at that if he has another good season and say i'd like to play with that guy i think i'd like to play in minnesota i think i'll go and do it and there you go and you've suddenly got a bit of a a bit of a an attraction for other players to come and play for your team. Players like to play with other good players. They don't want to play on a line full of shitters, do they? They just don't. So you having Caprice off there could only be a good thing. And of course for all the merch and stuff as well, because he'll be a rock star there. They've, like you said, that fan base has been waiting for a guy like Caprice off forever to just come and light up the league and be a guy that they can watch highlights on and say, that's my guy, that's on my you know, that's the guy on my team. You just need it so much. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Christ, just burn the whole thing to the ground. Don't even move them anywhere. 
just erase them from existence. They shouldn't even be allowed to relocate if they can't get this sorted out. They just need to be dissolved and that's it forever. Leave the burned out, whatever, XL Energy Center or whatever it's called. Leave their ring just burned out as like a, mon- uh, a monolith to, to poor, poorly managed NHL teams. Because they've only got to look... They've only got to look across the aisle to their their expansion siblings, the Blue Jackets, and see what happens when you can't hold on to supreme talent. Yep. Kaprizov might leave, and then they might find another Kaprizov. But then he's going to leave, because you've got nobody there to play with. No one else there to the fans are going to want to go and see. And if they do decide to burn down the Excel Energy Centre... They need to keep the fire going, though. They need to keep chucking tires on every sort of three or four days <laughs> like just to make Springfield sure that the fire, fire never goes out. Yeah, like the Springfield... That's exactly what I was referencing, the Springfield tire fire. You can't let that fire go out. They they shouldn't be... That ownership group shouldn't be allowed to forget it. They should be causing massive air pollution and then be and then they be punished for it. That's how it should go, for just not being able to get this deal done if they can't get it done. Fuck's sake. It's, yeah, it's, it's disgraceful. But it, it's going to happen, of course. It's going to happen. It's just... It's just threats. It's like the whole um, Mitch Marner thing last season to an extent. Not to say that Kaprizov is in, in the same uh, same sort of uh, situation as Marner as far as how, how he's handling his contract negotiations. But yeah, using, using, the me- using whatever means you have via the media to put pressure on your club to sign you. Yeah, of course he's going to do it. And of course we're going to hear about it. Do you think we're going to get a Willie Nylander five minutes before the deadline type? <laughs> No, nah, like, I don't think so. The fact that this no. is coming out so early, I think is like clear that they want to get it done, you know. I always look forward as well to players who are not Canadian or American going back to their home country and having one of those amazing interviews in the foreign media that gets oh, lost in yes. translation. Yes, I yes, love yes. those so much. So yeah, Kirill Kaprizov here, quoted as saying, the Minnesota Wild is a fucking shithole. I don't want to play there and they better fucking pay me to play there or else. Kaprizov's now quoted as saying, well, I was misquoted. <laughs> it's lost in translation. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. What, it always is. What I really it. meant. What I really meant was. Yes. <laughs> Here's what I really meant. Oh, great stuff. The Jack Eichel talk is heating up. And it appears to be heating up because the Sabres would like a deal done before the draft. So they can sort out, I assume, the obvious first round pick that's coming their way this year. And under no... Just no surprise to anybody. Under no circumstances should anybody anybody be surprised by what I'm about to tell you. The rumours are that all teams this year are just not interested in this draft, except for one, and that's Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo apparently are all in on this draft this year. They've got all their chips lined up. They know exactly what they're getting from these players. They've seen play on a fucking VCR for 27 minutes. They're going to be just fine. So they want this cycle deal sorted out sooner rather than later. And the two front runners apparently are Anaheim and Columbus. As uh, as I look around the kind of Jack Eichel trade talk, they seem to be the two that are being mentioned the most. There's um bit of a difference in those two clubs, I'd say. If I'm uh, I would also say if I'm Jack Eichel, I think there's one one that I'd far rather rather end up going to than than the other. But I'd, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as a fucking blue jacket. Jesus Christ. Me neither. Do you know why? Because the return, <clears throat> Columbus is the one. T- <laughs> Go on, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. We'll gather around. The I'm one listening. team, the one team I believe that can offer the Sabers the most is Columbus, because they have what is it? The fifth overall pick, the sixth overall pick. Uh, Columbus like have the fifth. Yeah. 
fifth. So they've got the fifth overall pick. So Buffalo will be picking first and fifth. They can also give away one of their goalies because neither of their goalies is protect- it needs to be protected in expansion. So you could throw in either Merzlikens or Corpusalo. And you've got a defenseman there who doesn't want to be there. Fine enough, Seth Jones. You don't want to be here? Fuck off to Buffalo then, mate. See how you like that. <laughs> now, I understand that that wouldn't be too good for Buffalo because then Seth Jones isn't going to stay there and he's not going to re-sign. But that's fine. You just then trade him on for more pieces. I think... Um... Yeah, normal, normal scenarios. That's a perfectly good. I don't know. A, a one year away from UFA, iffy defenseman maybe isn't what I'm I'm looking for, especially on top of a 27 year old goalie and then the fifth overall pick. It's not a terrible. So just hook. quickly, so just quickly to jump in there. Go on. A lot of people think Seth Jones is iffy. You know who doesn't think Seth Jones is iffy? Anyone in a the NHL. Yes, anybody in the NHL and the front offices, they do not think he's iffy at all. But surely even Kevin with a Y realises that like if if Jones is walking out of Buffalo, uh, sorry, out of Columbus, who for all their flaws have actually made the playoffs and had I don't want to say a modicum of success, but fucking no, you compare it to the Sabres, that's a that's a fucking whole tablespoon of success by comparison. If he's gonna walk out on them as if he's not walking out on the Sabres straight away anyway, especially if Jack Eichel's going the other way. Yeah, he will. Seth Jones will absolutely walk. I'm not I'm not saying he wouldn't. But like I said to you a few weeks ago, if you're going to get Nick Foligno for a first and two-fourths, you wait, if you're Buffalo, you wait to the deadline. What are you going to get for Seth Jones? You'll get you'll get exactly that, maybe a bit more. Yeah, you almost Because like... like we just said, it's like that's a massive trade chip at the deadline for a team that thinks they're going to be so close. Oh, we need it. We need a defense. Teams always need defensemen. Okay. It's like forever and ever and ever. That's, so, that's interesting to me because, yeah, you almost like split the trade up into two parts by yes. trading on, on Seth Jones in the end. Okay, that that's more appealing. I'd forgotten that you could uh, you could trade players that you've traded for. So quite, a, quite an important part of being the GM, I'd say. I still yeah. kind of think that if you can if you can twist their arm, I'd still try and get what you know as much as I could out of Anaheim, as opposed to Columbus. Because on, on, on the goalie side, like Buffalo have effectively yeah you know, as close to a younger, potentially better version of Mizlikins or Corpusalo in in Ukrapekalukanen, who's still twenty two, five years on either of those goalies. And then Anaheim have the higher pick, which, yeah, I know it doesn't make that much of a difference, but it does, ultimately. And they've got better prospects, which is what they're going to want. Anaheim were kind of unwilling to get... I mean, maybe it's different because it's Jack Eichel, but they weren't willing to let, like, Zegras or Drysdale go, weren't they? And I think for an Eichel, maybe it's a bit different. But then the whole thing with Eichel as well is, like, this, this whole thing with his neck and everything, and I don't know. I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky. Would you? Would you... If you're Columbus, would you would you do that deal? Like, would you go, yeah, okay, you can have our first and Seth Jones and one of our goalies, and we'll get Jack Eichel. Uh, yeah, I would because you've got six years of. Oh no, no, that's Jeff Skinner. Hold on, five, that five, five years of Jack. Imagine. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> like they do it digitally or something, and uh, and um, the, the blue jackets <laughs> accidentally click on Seth Jones. Uh, not Seth Jones, Jeff Skinner. Fucking hell, this is I'm too I'm too a lemsip. Um, yeah, you've got five more years of Eichel. If I if I'm if I'm the uh, the Blue Jackets, then yes, yeah, fifth fifth overall, Seth Jones, and one of the goalies. Fuck it, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing that eight days a week. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think you are right, though, with, in the case of the Ducks, is that they've got... It's an interesting choice for Buffalo to be in, because, like, like I said, they've got... If they trade, if they do that trade with Columbus, they're basically getting a bunch of draft picks because they're going to trade away Seth Jones anyway because he won't want to stay. Exactly. Whereas if you go to yeah, whereas if you go to Anaheim and you're getting some of their players, like you've said, they've got more prospects and they'll give you more prospects than anything else. So, but like I mean, Christ, how many times have we said whatever, whatever deal Buffalo do, they're going to lose on it? So it doesn't matter, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Bas- they are. Basically, they are. yeah, yeah. It's it's about um, you know reducing the exchange rate on Jack Eichel, isn't it, or improving? However, you want to look at it, you know, try and make sure you get ninety cents on the dollar rather than sixty. Sorry, I should have explained myself better. I don't want to lose on it, as in you're not going to get like a decent package back. You probably will get a decent package back, but can you guarantee that Buffalo isn't going to then fuck up that entire package? <laughs> Uh, say they do get Sam Steele, Max Jones. Say one of Zegras or Drysdale is included. Anaheim says, "You know what? Okay, we're not going to we're not going to let both of them go, but we'll let one of them go." In three years, are we not going to say, "God, what happened to Jamie Drysdale? He used to be really good, didn't he? <laughs> well, he's a Buffalo now." Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I understand. Nah, there's no history of Buffalo taking a highly drafted defenseman and not achieving their potential while in the Sabre system. So I can't see that happening. Actually, a yeah, good point. Good point. You are right. I should have thought more clearly about that that example then, shouldn't I? Really? That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, we all we all reach every now and again and get it a bit wrong. Would you care if? Because I know that the uh, LeBron said last week some point that the idea was that the Sabers wanted to move Eichel to the West. They don't want him playing in the East against them. Basically, <laughs> would you ever care about that if you're a GM? Would you just not give a shit? Like, yeah, just get out of here. Give me the best deal in return. I don't care where you play. I, I care if I'm a good team and I'm getting rid of a good player for whatever reason, like like Phil Kessel or whatever. Yeah, you know, when he left the when he left uh, the Bruins all those years ago, or even when the uh, when the Penguins traded him. Yeah, if I'm a contending team and I've got a player that I need to get rid of for whatever reason, yeah, I want to get him away from me. If I'm the Sabers, give a fucking shit because you're trying to be bad. It, it, it depends on yeah, what. Yeah, I'm the yeah, same. If you're if you're trying to if you're trying to tank and, and improve your draft stock, keep him there. If you think he's that good, he's gonna just another player to to give you losses on the in the standings. But yeah, apart from that, fucking who gives a shit? Yeah, when is the draft? It's not long away, is it? Now it's about what I a month away, no, something like that. No idea. Um, I know the expansion draft's only what three weeks away at this point. Is it, uh, I'd imagine it all has to be after the Stanley Cup. I would assume so, yes. Uh, okay, the draft draft is the 23rd of July, uh, a month today. A month today, there we go. And the expansion draft is, is oh, on the 21st, so like two days before. That's going to be a very exciting weekend. A very exciting weekend. Yeah, so the, the Wednesday is the uh, expansion draft and then the Friday is the first round of the draft draft. I'm in that kind of mode now where we've got to the end of the season and I don't really care about hockey anymore. I just want deals and trades. That's all I, that's all I care about now. I want deals, <laughs> trades, and Twitter news. That's all I care it's about. It's that point in the season where either, <laughs> yeah, your, your team's been knocked out. It's like, right, let's get let's get fantasy mode. What's going on? Yep. Open up the trade windows. <laughs> let's let's get some let's get some nonsense going on. I want to get excited for next season to see fucking whoever on whatever team. You know, I want to see what the, the Kraken are going to be like. Another trade piece that's come back to fruition this week apparently is Oliver Ekman Larson who is they're looking to completely tear down the whole thing in Arizona 
I feel like they should actually be in the process of doing what Minnesota should do if they don't get Kaprizov to resign right now. And just, yeah, just, just set fire to it all. Just, why are we even bothering? They're just looking to get rid of everybody, get as much stuff back as they can. But with OEL, my question is to you is, under what scenario would you happily accept a deal where OEL comes to your team? And a legitimate one as well. Don't just say like a seventh and 50% retained. Okay, a sixth and 25% retained. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no team should be do you think though he could be a, a victim of oh he's actually not that bad but he was playing in a place where he's fucking miserable and hates it and hates going to work every day well, I, I, it, kind uh, of I, I, weirdly a kind of Taylor Hall type scenario where oh yeah he's actually not that bad he's actually okay because the thing with OEL was like people were overrating him because he was a big fish in a small pond and then yeah. now people are potentially underrating him as a response to him being overrated for so long. So, like, I still think, like, he's probably better than people currently think he is or will be if he gets to be part of a decent team. I don't think he'll be a transformative piece, but I do think if you yeah if you chuck him in as your 2-3 D-man, he's still going to do a job for you. He's still going to be better than a lot of D-men out there. Um, it's just his... It's a contract to net, like I don't think I'd necessarily want to trade for OEL. Just because he can get as good defensemen on a cheaper deal who probably are gonna command less in a trade potentially. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. And they'd have to I mean Arizona's gonna have to eat some cash on that one. They're gonna oh, have without to without a doubt. They they won't be able to send him off at the full eight two five. If you can get him for like six No. It's the thing though, isn't it? Like they'll have to eat um, eat salary, but then they're going to want compensating for eating the salary, aren't they? So it's like a fucking it's like a vicious yeah, circle. Point. And the geese is nearly thirty. Is he going to be thirty this off season? Probably. Yeah, I'd. I'd Either way, he's. I don't touch enough. it. I don't touch it. I'm. I'm not saying that he's not a good player. I just think that for what you'd have to give up for him, you could get something as good as or better elsewhere. Yeah, thirty, thirty this summer. Yeah. It would depend on the deal, but I, I, you know, if a team's given up a first, I mean, I don't, I would not be doing that at all under any circumstances. I think, I think he would be okay on a better team. I think, I don't know. I think, I think, like I said, Arizona's that place where kind of players go to just while out their days, regardless. I think, yeah, I you're, just, I think, yeah, you get any player from Arizona and put them on a a, a more well run team. Don't forget, this is this is a franchise that last year wasn't paying people on time. <laughs> you can't tell me that that doesn't affect your brain in some way when you're playing, thinking, God, I'm playing like this and putting my fucking heart and soul into it. I might have not even get paid. Like, it has an effect on you. And I think what they expect in return for OEL is what they're not going to get. But I don't also think, I also don't think that you know, if a team pays a second for him and a prospect, that's a disastrous deal for the other team. I don't think it is. I think he's a fine player. I think he'll be okay. Not full contract at full price. You've got to take a bit of cash and then we can sort of have a chat. But it's like Seth Jones. Somebody's going to take him, aren't they? Someone's going to take him. Because oh, yeah, he's, he's a name brand D-man. He's a name brand D-man. <laughs> he's been rated over 85 on NHL 21, so he must be good. Last thing, I don't know if you heard this or not, but did you know that the San Jose... This is interesting, actually, as I read today that the uh, the value of Bitcoin has plummeted, that the San Jose Sharks are now accepting payment at their uh, arena via Bitcoin, which is peculiar. And 
people, you may be stunned to learn this, like stunned, but sit down when I say this. I don't quite have a full grasp on Bitcoin and how it works exactly. I understand it. I understand the principle behind it, but I don't get how if the sharks are accepting Bitcoin payments and the value of Bitcoin has gone from 70000 to 30000 in about three months, if I buy a beer with some Bitcoin, am I paying $4 for that beer or $9? Or is that not how it works? I mean, it's kind of how it works. Like... In yeah, in some ways, like the thing, think of it like any foreign currency. Yeah, like you go over to France or whatever, anywhere in Europe, you you do your your conversion to euros. Say one day you go in, you go in at 70 p for a euro, yeah, or fifty p for a euro, yeah, fifty p for a euro. So you buy a pint for a fiver over there, five euros, and that's really only costing you two pound fifty. If then when you come back after you spent your euros at 50 pence per euro, it suddenly drops to 10 pence a euro, you didn't retroactively pay 50p for that pint. Do you know what I mean? Okay. It's yeah, all, it's I, all I just about I what's in the I moment for, for payment. The the interesting thing to me would be how they manage you know, the fucking cost of things. Is it going to be like a live board? Like you know, someone at the front of the queue... Dick's about too much with deciding what he wants for his hot dog. So by the time you get to the front, you're not paying seven quid for a beer, you're paying 11 quid for a beer. <laughs> well, the way Bitcoin's going, like the shark's going to owe you money at the end of it. That's that's absolutely it. I think it's... I, I had a friend who's far more in tune to this sort of stuff explain it as best he could, but I, I haven't retained it enough to then pass it on. But the point he made like, was as soon as big companies start recognizing cryptocurrencies and the Saturday sharks for all intents and purposes are a big company that's when you've got to start thinking okay there's something here do you know what i mean it's not just like your fucking alibaba ebay etsy traders accepting bitcoin this is this is a genuine this is as close to going into tesco playing, playing with bitcoin as you can get really so yeah, like like you, I can't even start to wrap my head around it really, but I think this is kind of showing that cryptocurrencies might be here to stay. I do does anybody else see the massive irony in that the sharks are willing to accept a value of a currency that's gone from seventy thousand to thirty thousand? Almost like something's devalued itself massively in about six months in and around San Jose. <laughs> oh nah, nah. Oh, I love it! It's perfect, isn't it? It's is perfect. Is it Eric, just... Eric Carlson's the Bitcoin of um of NHL players. <laughs> he is at the moment for sure. And you know what? As well, in a positive PR move for the Sharks, I guess it's better to say a player's contract is worth one Bitcoin rather than eleven and a half million dollars. <laughs> I guess that sounds better, doesn't it? What are you talking about? He's not on eleven and a half. He's only on one. He's only worth one. So don't worry about it. He's fine. It's value. We've got massive value on Carlson's deal. He's only worth one Bitcoin. Are you checking out what he's worth actually... in bitcoins? <laughs> It's one of any guesses. Any guesses? Eleven and a half million United States dollars in Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin's like crashed, hasn't it? It's gone from seventy thousand to th- I think it's thirty thousand. I saw today. I ca- it's eleven and a half million uh, divided by thirty thousand. I can't do that math well. Fucking hell! It's well, a r- rough guess. Rough guess. I could. I couldn't even rough guess it. Uh, no, I couldn't even rough guess it. Not that quickly. You're here first, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Masters doesn't know any numbers. That's true. Uh, it's, it's true. Three hundred and thirty-seven. 
0.79 bitcoins there you go year. that sounds way better than 11 and a half million doesn't it <laughs> that sounds way maybe better maybe it's all a, all a scam they're converting all their player contracts into bitcoin so <laughs> like, like, well, once we've got all the bitcoins we can we can pay it both we can now sign a whole new team our entire co- our entire value of our teams is worth about what I don't know 850 bitcoins <laughs> we've got loads of money left <laughs> over <laughs> what? go on then uh, two thousand three hundred ninety-three point nine bitcoins is ah, the current there we go. cap. There we go. If you if you'd have asked me yesterday, oh, I can't do that. Fucking maths would have been more. Yeah, would like I said, more. like I said, the irony is not lost on me. It's plummeting, <laughs> and San Jose's San Jose's the first team to uh, to adopt it because of course they are. Because that's just it's, how a, it's it a big. It's a bit clearly a bit. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's just for jokes. They're just doing it for lols. What else? Have, what else have they got? They're not going to win a cup anytime soon, are they? So let's just do things for fun. <laughs> they could have turned around to their fans like, "No, we might not. We may not have won a cup, but with all the Bitcoin we've been accruing, we've uh, fucking quadrupled the franchise's value." <laughs> yeah, aren't you happy, fans? We've done this for you. Oh, yeah, cheers. Thanks a lot. That's the sort of thing that. Um, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd expect out of like, one of those Spanish clubs, like yeah, the fan-owned football clubs like Barca or Real Madrid or whatever. Like, fuck it with this shit. Let's at least try and make, make a bit of money. <laughs> yeah, let's try and get some cash out of it. Oh, God. All right, there we go. Thank you for listening, everybody. Will, any last words? Um, Get vaccinated, drink your, uh, drink your orange juice. Peace and love, peace and love. There we go. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.